Welcome to the A-Level Biologist Podcast, bringing you the most exciting area in the world right now. Enjoy. Welcome to the A-Level Biologist Podcast, Season 4. Welcome back. This season, I'm going to go through some new materials, some papers that I wrote a long time ago, and some newsletter editions that I've been writing recently on LinkedIn. You might be familiar with it. It's called The Curious Natural Philosopher. This episode, I'm going to be covering the most popular paper on my academia and research gate profile. This is a paper I published on my own. Uh, I was weirdly not affiliated with... Oh, it wasn't on my PhD course. It wasn't part of my official work or anything like that. Uh, It's always more fun to to do these things um, this way. It's called Life, Survival versus Reproduction. And ResearchGate is telling me that uh, this... um, has been the most read monthly paper. I mean, if you're interested in uh, the podcast season three most popular recently, um, I think almost the final episode of season three, which is uh, the mathematical reason we need so many sperm cells, um, seems to have been very popular, I think, with a group in Germany somewhere. (laughs) It's really interesting to see these statistics. So I thought, why not start with this? Um, So I don't forget. I just, I write a lot. I remember I wrote poetry when I was a teenager. I just always, (laughs) I keep doing these things and I need to take more time to appreciate them and look back on them and sometimes just remember them. (laughs) Did I write this? Oh, this is pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, it is pretty good. Okay, life. Survival versus reproduction. Um, What prompted me to write this at the time, if I remember correctly, was that I read this very, very good book um, by um, Jablonka and Lamb, 2006, Evolution in Four Dimensions, Genetic, Epigenetic, Behavioral and Symbolic Variation in the History of Life. And that inspired me to have a think about really what life is in the big scheme of things what is it actually um, when genes keep changing species keep changing individuals keep changing really everything is changing there isn't much that is the same or that has stayed the same so so what is life (laughs) i mean this this ever-changing thing um also in the context of Um, longevity and aging which is a context of how many children people have how long we live how our lifestyle affects that um, and really what is the relationship between survival or living as an organism and reproduction and I think on face value I thought well they're just two things that living things do they survive and reproduce they survive to reproduce but I thought you know what no it's it's deeper than that it's 
it's actually kind of the same sort of thing that we've separated probably because we are individual organisms <laughs> so to us things look a little bit different life survival versus reproduction life is often thought of and, and actually I didn't number these like a sort of legal document <laughs> for clarity of analysis one life is often thought of and analyzed from the viewpoint of the individual organism in a previous post the apparent complexity in life's evolution and its explanation i suggested defining life as a process rather than an organism therefore clarifying tricky areas such as viruses and their status of being alive or not and other life products that may be alive in some situations that are very conditional for example seeds in attempting to explain life from the viewpoint of the individual organism the basic function of life appears to be survival of the organism there have been plenty of discussions over the fundamental unit of life in the context of evolution that have suggested various vehicles of life vehicles of life information including genes themselves species populations jablonka lamb 2006 and so on the issue of course with this viewpoint is that organisms always die life clearly has no interest whatsoever in the actual survival of any given organism into infinity by itself indeed the same can easily be extended to species life has thrived not through survival of any given individual organism or species at all and instead through survival of life processes spanning countless individual organisms and species this entire show has been sponsored by reproduction okay so for the first point it's just saying you know everything is dying <laughs> so um to say that life to say that organisms are trying to survive um is not quite accurate they're they're temporarily channeling the life processes whether that's dna replication cell division protein synthesis whatever it is that they're channeling those chemical processes temporarily because of reproduction because there is a driving and maintaining force that is reproduction that is uh, making it worthwhile for those organisms at that given point in time to temporarily survive <laughs> uh, you're going to reproduce so that these life processes keep happening therefore here is a short life for you to do that in before it all moves on again there isn't any selection pressure on surviving if 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 anything is attempting to survive <laughs> separate from reproduction it it um you know dies out or it becomes irrelevant or whatever um so the survival in and of itself um 
of the organism gene species isn't actually a thing. Um, most species have ever lived have gone extinct. Most organisms have died. I don't know. I think if I remember correctly, a statistic saying that um, 99% of people that ever lived are dead <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> so in terms of the survival of any of those things, that's actually not a thing. Um, given organisms do not really survive in the big scheme of things they die very very quickly <laughs> in the blink of an eye they barely live and then they die um so those those genes those species actually don't really survive particularly long certainly um the genes uh and the species thinking of sharks um that apparently haven't changed at all since the beginning <laughs> um they do live relatively a long time that that template that um that shape or whatever th that recipe for life um can live a very long time much 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 longer than any given organism at all um we are organisms so we like to have some relevance to ourselves um and have to look at things from our point of view but i think in the big scheme of things um there is really not much survival <laughs> to any organism. <laughs> I feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for myself. But um, that's really the point there, is um, that there isn't. However, what there is, and this is why I'd rather just say that life is a process, is that the process survives. The chemical pattern of DNA replication, the chemical pattern of RNA and DNA inheritance the chemical pattern of protein synthesis, the chemical pattern of how lipids behave and form vesicles, those things, those things truly survive. I mean, they change as well, but again, in the big scheme of things, those things are the legacy of life, the legacy of what is life on Earth? Well, it's these, these things, these phenomena that are the foundation, the building block and the process of humans and animals and plants and everything else uh, but those are life those are what is surviving and are being reproduced rather than homo sapiens arian miserafiahi i know rest in peace <laughs> this is my obituary ahead of time um, <laughs> those things are life not a giraffe i mean a giraffe is alive it's alive but you know was it relevant a billion years ago is it going to be relevant in a billion years i don't know maybe maybe giraffes will outlive everything else <laughs> maybe not <laughs> but if the past is anything to go by then no um these species kind of have a temporary they just hang out for a for a few for a chunk of time and then it's kind of become something else and i think this is also relevant in the context of um human evolution and how how we are becoming and how how we are becoming something else and how we are changing we can't really be attached to our hu current human form and experience because it's it's never really stayed the same to begin with so this pull towards you know me recording a podcast transplanting our brains onto the internet and so on that's actually probably more natural and more aligned with evolution than trying 
to desperately stay the same. Okay. Number two. Reproduction in the context of life is better or easier than plain survival. But what is it better at? It is better at providing the opportunity for adaptation. And I'll just have a little、um, bracket here.、Um, this is really easily imagined as a sort of Marco Polo, Marco Polo, <laughs> where Marco is life and Polo is its environment. So if if it were to not adapt and just say Marco, 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 it's like there is no Polo. So if it doesn't check in with、um, With itself to say that it's still relevant. Hello, can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay. I'll carry on. If it doesn't have that feedback,、um, then it's not adapting. So, really, instead of checking in once every thousand years, it's checking in every year, and you can see how that makes it better. It's like iterating a business. It's like iterating anything. You are molding it more loyally to what it should be or what. It, you know its best version. Life cannot exist in a vacuum, and if life is to be a complement of non-life of the environment, it must be able to change, to update through time and space, as the universe is doing. This means the universe is changing.、Um, Those nebulae out there are exploding, <laughs> so we need to keep up with them. Whatever they're doing, the directionality of time explains why reproduction makes more sense than mere survival ad infinitum. Each cycle, each generation, is a change, and starting to change from square one, developmentally speaking. Is far more straightforward than starting to change from square forty-seven. The A-Level Biologist podcast is sponsored by the A-LevelBiologist.co.uk, a high school biology resource with over one million visits that covers over half a thousand trackable and searchable topics. Visit the A-LevelBiologist.co.uk today. Again, a really good visual for this is building a house of cards, and it keeps collapsing, and you need to you need to do it slightly differently. If you need to change, I don't know the first step, and you've just started, it's really easy because you can just do it differently from the beginning. But if you've built like a ten. Ten level house of cards, and you realise that somewhere towards the bottom, something isn't quite right. You can't change it there, can you? So, the development or the timeline of any process is much more easily fixed or changed or redone from the beginning, rather than some. You know, that's why we don't live for one million years, is because we would go pretty extinct pretty instantly. So. Um, having babies is a way to kind of adapt a little bit better and do it a little bit better, and that's what the next sentence actually says. Well, okay, getting babies and children 
to learn slightly differently or gain some new abilities that are new is easier than getting a mature further down the line organism to do the same. After all, adults will have always been selected for as babies for their ability to be adapted to their present, but not the unknown future. The only way, apparently, to greet the future, the unknown pressures, is to renew the organism, or indeed the genome, via reproduction. And this makes a really good point about, again, a good analogy in investment, where past, uh, past performance is not an indicator of future performance. So it's not good enough to say, we walk on two legs and we're doing very well, thank you very much, let's keep doing that. You, you cannot, well, I mean, you could try to predict the future, but you cannot extrapolate the past with certainty and say, well, being bipedal is the best thing that ever happened to anyone. <laughs> and in the future, bipedalism is obviously the way forward. So in reality, that uncertainty is always there. And organisms can never just know a hundred million percent that some, you know, I mean, I'm thinking of, say, the houses in the UK that have been built specifically for such a long time to hold heat in and be really well adapted to being comfortable in the winter. And now you get these heat waves and they are not adapted. <laughs> They're just actually really bad in a heat wave. So um, even if you try very hard to adapt, it could become a problem uh, when you turn that corner into the future. Part three. Sexual reproduction has often been discussed as the great enabler of diversification, mutation, evolution. What about asexual reproduction? What is the point in reproducing oneself if the result is merely clones all over again? Why make them rather than simply maintain the already existing organisms. It isn't just the diversification offered by sexual reproduction that enables life through reproduction. It is also merely the process of repeating a developmental pathway, be it a different one or the exact same one all over again, as it is in asexual reproduction. Cycling life which is defined as certain processes distinct from non-life, has been much easier, more environmentally or energetically amenable, than producing and maintaining individual organisms themselves ad infinitum. This matter comes into sharp focus when discussing ageing, death and the role of life's evolution in shaping organisms, reproduction, as well as potential directions to be taken by civilizations to offset these evolved truths in an attempt to break them and move forward into something else, away from past directions. A lot to dissect here. Um, the first one is just about that cycling of life. So it's not just about having new genes to play with or new chemicals to play with. It's also, again, just repeating that developmental pathway. I messed up the tower. I, there's there's a way to make it better, but I have to start o over again. 
Um, so just that process of going one, two, three, four, five, six, and one, two, three, and the one, two, three becomes a little bit better and a little bit sharper and a little bit more flexible and a little bit more better adapted. And one, two, three, 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 as opposed to, oh, here's a random thing that lives in the middle of nowhere. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and just that's uh, very, very, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. Okay. Another point here is that it isn't just those elements of sexual reproduction that allow diversity, the recombination of chromosomes and that sort of thing, having different gametes fertilize with each other and so on. Um, there's also the element of the environment. Um, yes, the asexual organism is making a clone of itself with the exact same genes, but there are these other elements that are that have currently been studied better that we understand are operating quite powerfully even though the genes are the same genes so how they are regulated even something like the temperature being different those things do play a role so even if you are redoing the same thing in a different situation it's going to be uh, it's going to give you a different outcome so your house of cards is going to look different you know, you're doing it the same way, exactly the same method, exactly the same cards, but on a hot day or, or on a cold day, you know, that's going to have some, some effect. Because whilst genes are vehicles of preserving information for life processes, they are not in a vacuum either. They are just a little bit more conservative in terms of being um, held on to, shall we say. And the the final part here is actually a little bit referencing, you know, what was <laughs> uh, the transhumanist movement of uploading brains into the cloud and replacing bones with metal and whatever. So it's this idea of we are trying to perhaps cheat death by proactively building these adaptations ourselves with our technology and saying, well, never mind this clunky reproductive thing. We can just study our own bodies and direct our own biology and direct our own existence, ultimately. And this is the note that it ends on. You can see I was a little bit influenced by that at the time. Number four, the point at which we will be able to offset the reliance of life on reproduction in its original or current sense is the point at which we are able to enact changes, adaptations of mature organisms that are at least as efficient as natural changes that occur in reproduction. This could be things like manipulating the genome, developmental paths, tissues, functions, and so on. This, obviously, is a grand challenge. After all, life hasn't been doing nothing all this time. Or indeed, time hasn't been doing nothing all this life. Badum. <laughs> it's very poetic. I don't know, I feel like, in a way, I was better at writing then because uh, there was just this unhinged lack of self-conscious um, 
self-consciousness uh, it will just kind of just i blurted it out and yes that does give you foot in mouth syndrome and some people hate you <laughs> um, but amongst that there are these nuggets of extremely sharp extremely spot-on statements that could never come out of the mouth of someone who is now current me perhaps who is just trying to polish everything and uh, not say too much you know say much <laughs> say it all say everything so this point uh actually ends on a note of frustration uh, at the time and currently as well still which is that these ideas are nowhere near as powerful as they need to be. I mean, if you think about the energetic cost of reproduction and making a baby again and again and again and again and trying to predict biochemically the life path of this baby, how is this baby going to develop to eventually reproduce, to eventually survive, to reproduce? Um, all of that is baked into the genome is baked into the cells, is baked into our psychology, it's baked into everything. And there's a lot to it. There's so much to it. So in order for us to successfully not need that as much or do things differently, as the transhumanists would suggest, where, suggest where we're just kind of looking after ourselves and uh, who cares about aging and dying um, and getting ill. We would need to successfully tackle all of those areas. And I think the most difficult ones are the developmentally ingrained ones. In other words, yes, we are already using stem cell technology for skin burns superficial skin burns skin is a tissue that is constantly moving because it needs to keep pushing itself out as a protective you know it's a protective barrier but it's a moving barrier it comes from within and it pushes itself out so you're constantly shedding the skin the skin is a a, a very active um, organ it's it's always doing things so it's not so much let me peel this back and replace it with something else. Um, it's more like a lawn that is growing, you know. Um, so that's doable and we are doing that. But something like, say, bone. The bone that goes, I don't know, your skull, say. Or these deeper levels. And that's phys physically deep. <laughs> Um, but also psychologically deep, and that's to do with addiction and instinct and behavior, um, those are harder to kind of get to and mess around with. And an example that comes to mind that I do find quite frustrating is is surgery and a lot of sort of theoretical stem cell therapies. Because yes, theoretically, just go in wherever the problem is and fix it. And it's like, well, going in means having a surgery, yes. Surgery is very invasive. I mean, 
think of the surgery to become taller where they snap your legs and then put in a rod and you know <laughs> yes it's theoretically doable but the actual method of doing it is very invasive and tra traumatic <laughs> um, it is doable to have any number of surgeries and keep intervening at these more superficial or deeper levels but it's not at the level of um, you know putting on a cream or something that is casual and not so invasive and um, taxing so the the sort of Star Trek pod of you just pop yourself in and then it kind of does all sorts of things. You know, you need a synergy of um, of of that technology as well to minimize trauma and minimize the invasiveness of these procedures. And then, yes, perhaps it would be a lot more doable to um, to do anything to, to to any sort of tissue. Um, or perhaps even something beyond that. And again, I'm inspiring myself from um, Star Star Trek Discovery, where they did a they did a like a like a consciousness transplant, like a cross species mind transplant of some kind. <laughs> That's the next level. Um, and that would be, say, the sort of equivalent trauma of today's invasive surgeries where I don't know you're replacing your whole suite of limbs or you're augmenting your brain or you're just making these bigger changes to your body if anything is not working say organ transplants um, are just an everyday thing where it's super easy there's no um, rejection or anything like that uh, you just kind of swap out your organs um, or just have artificial parts that last for hundreds of years instead of, you know, tens of years. Um, everything is, is lasts longer, is more reliable. Um, because if you think about it, these quite complex organs have very basic functions overall. So, you know, we have all these systems whose job it is simply to get energy from food um, <laughs> and oxygen. So... All of those organs are actually, you know, running on uh, the idea of us eating food and, and, and using oxygen for energy. Compare that with plugging yourself in and using electricity. I mean, wow, <laughs> that's so basic. <laughs> it's so basic. You just plug yourself in. Whereas we have all these organs to kind of extract this chemical energy from other living things. <laughs> it's a little bit creepy if you think about it. So, yes, at that level, um, we will have surpassed this rudimentary process of um, iterating via reproduction uh, to kind of change things bit by bit, bit by bit, bit by bit within the relatively narrow confines of our ability to stretch and adapt over these eons. And I'll leave it here for this week. Uh, very interesting. My hands are freezing. Another small change there. Temperature is a very powerful thing. Very powerful thing. Um, and I will see you next week. Have a good one. Hey, it's me again. Didn't see that coming, did you? I'm here to thank you for the phenomenal growth in the past season and ask you to take a part in next season's success. Share this episode and add your review now. Thank you so much and see you in the next one.